Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Matthew chapter 16. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord God. I thank you for the opportunity to declare the word of the Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you always supply that which is needed. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to open the ears of the hearer this morning. And you're going to open our eyes to see, Father. Help us, Lord, just like Jake, just give us the heart of a child to see. Remove the skills that have blinded us, Father God, from seeing. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, when we leave this house today, we would be encouraged by the word. We would, be, we would go home and say it was good that we went to the house of the Lord today. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're working all things out in our life for the good of them that love you, that are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm right where, uh, going right back where um, we were last, I want to take my text from where we were last Sunday. I've, uh, I actually shared a lot of this on Wednesday night. We did, uh, I say we, uh, our teenagers went and several people went to the high school and uh, to the fields of faith. And I've heard nothing but absolutely amazing things from what our teenagers did at the fields of faith event. They did the dance uh, shift um, and then uh, just just did a tremendous job there. We actually traveled over on Thursday night and preached the gospel in Thomasville. Our kids went with us again and uh, did the dance over there and led worship, and we had church over in Thomasville on Thursday night. And so um, God's uh, allowing us to do some travel. We got already got another place uh, booked that we're going to go in and just really uh, blow it up for Jesus. Amen. All right, so how many is good? You, you good? We got about 30 minutes uh, or so that uh, I'm going to try to lay the foundation in the first 30 minutes, and I'll preach the message in the last hour, okay? And so, but um, we, uh, we, I want to set this up. I shared some of this, like I said, on Wednesday night, but I want to go back in there, and I want to give us uh, just clear, I'm just trying to put clear language to what I feel like the Lord is, is showing me. And so... How many knows that the, <clears throat> we, we need the church to be the church, okay? That's basically what I want to, I think I titled last Sunday's message of the cultural war, so that's what I'm going to be preaching on again this morning, okay? You there? All right. If you don't help me, I am going to preach an hour and a half, and I can't do it, okay? I got plenty, plenty in the hopper here. So let's look at this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon uh, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, where we really want to draw our attention. And I also said that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. 
And verse 19, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That, um, that context right there really doesn't mean that, uh, that that's really a poor translation of whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven because we don't have no authority to bind anything on earth that hasn't already been bound in heaven. You with me? So a proper translation of that is you have the authority to bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven. And then you also have the authority to loose on earth what has already been loosed in heaven. So this morning we know that joy has been loosed in the heaven, right? Come on, somebody. You know the father up there ain't biting his fingernails this morning. Come on. He, he, he's not worried. Come on, somebody. He's not living in fear and in anxiety. So that doesn't exist there. Come on. What does li- exist there is joy and happiness, peace and righteousness. What? In the Holy Ghost, which is what the kingdom of God is. So therefore we have authority to loose that in this room, right? We know that sicknesses does not exist in heaven, right? Come on, somebody. You with me? So we have the authority to bind sickness and disease on the earth, right? And we loose healing. This is the role of the prayer life. Y'all with me? Is it it's not this describing prayer life 101? I bind and I loose, right? I bind depression, loose joy, bind sickness and disease and release healing. Now, in this text, in this text that um, we see that Jesus said that he was going to build a church. He said he was going to build a church, right? And he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. Now, last Sunday, just to do a little recap, we preached on the church that that word church that Jesus used here in the Greek was not what you and I really think about church. When, when you ask people about church, a lot of times they point to a building. Come on now. Where do you go to church? Church is thought of, especially in the south, of whatever building we go to. As you heard one preacher, I heard one preacher say that someone called the office one time and wanted to know what kind of church were they. Because we thought about attending. We just want to know if you had a brick church or if you was in a metal building or if you was in a storefront. How many knows that's not the main important question you should be asking about where you go to church? First of all, do they believe the Bible? (laughs) You with me? All right. So when what we think about church has got to shift and change. Now we know this according to the Bible, that the Bible says that God doesn't dwell in temple made with man's hands. You all right with me just talking a little bit? The Bible says that God doesn't dwell in temple made with man's hands, but know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So listen, God is not in this building until what? We come in here. Are you with me now? And the presence that we feel when we praise God in this room is God is not descending down, right? You remember when we were in the Pentecostal church years ago, we used to sing this song, send him on down, send him on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. How many remember that back in the 90s right there? Listen, how many knows that the Holy Ghost has already come down? And he come down in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. He's not coming down anymore. So when we want the Spirit of God to move, what, 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 how do we get the Spirit of the Lord to move in this room? It goes back to John 7, 38. And it goes back to this. Lift up your head, Psalms 24. Oh, ye gates. 
Who are the gates? You are the gate. Come on, somebody. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and who the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, mighty, the Lord strong and mighty in battle, right? The Lord of hosts. Now, so Jesus said in John 7, 38, that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So when you and I begin to worship in this room, all of us get together corporately and collectively, we begin to let the Spirit of God inside of us out. Come on. So here's the deal. What we put into worship is what we're going to get out of it. It's not like God picks the calendar and says, I'll tell you what, boy, I believe I'm moved today. No, it's when we come in here and get an agreement. It was hard for us to get an agreement in this morning. You believe that in here? If you got anybody spiritual in this room can tell you the whole time during worship, we were fighting to come into agreement. And God will not move where we're not in agreement. Psalms 133, how blessed it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. Therefore, it is a commanded blessing, right? So, all right, now let's get in this. I'm going to quit meddling. Somebody said quit meddling, preaching and preach the Bible to us this morning. All right, ready? Let's go right here. So if we're going to be the church, listen to me. I, I'm, I'm going to go over six things this morning, six. Look at your neighbor and say six, and I'm going to do them quick, Okay. I'm going to preach six things this morning. If you and I are going to be the church, the six things has got to has got to change, or we're never going to be the ecclesia. We're going to continue being the building. And let me tell you something: a building ain't going to make no difference in America. But an ecclesia, the Bible says that hell can't prevail against that type of church. That means when young children come in this church that are tormented in their, in their sleep and dreams, come on somebody, and, and they're hearing a voice to take their own life, the Bible says that hell shall prevail against that. But hell will run right over a building. Come on somebody. But if the people rise up and see that as attack, let me tell you something, that ain't God. Come on, friend. It don't take, it don't take rocket science. See, that is an attack of the devil, friend. That is absolutely from hell, and we should be able to do something about it. The same as we should be able to do something about cancer and every other work of hell assigned to destroy the church. All right. All right. Now let's look at this. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, there's six things that have got to change for us to truly become the ecclesia that Jesus promised of in Matthew 16. Number one, you got to know why you're here. You got to know why you're here. You got to know why you're here. Why were we created? Now, let me just say this, and I said this on last Sunday, and I really want to go into it and look at the scriptures. That one of the things that we've said is that man is here, that his chief existence is to worship God and to worship Him for all eternity. There is some truth to that, but it's not the complete truth. God did not create us to worship Him, just to worship Him. He had already a bunch of beings that were created to worship Him. Now let's look at this in Genesis chapter 1. You okay? Let's travel a little bit in the Word right here. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. I'll get there in a minute. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
Look at your neighbor and say, God has definitely given you authority over creeps. My God, that was worth coming, wasn't it, right? See, you didn't know you had authority over creeps. Can I preach the Bible up in here? What was it God said, let us make man what? And let him have what? Dominion. Authority. You are not some crippleless being. Come on, somebody. You're powerful. If you only realize what is on the inside of you, you are a powerful creature walking the earth. The Bible says you are a brand new creation of a whole new species. Whatever you were before Jesus no longer exists. God didn't take the old part of you and rebuild it and make it better. He destroyed the old you and created a brand new species. Come on somebody. And he created you full of the Holy Ghost and the weapons of heaven to carry out your assignment. So God said let us make man and let him have what? Authority. There's a whole lot of difference between power and authority. Now the devil has power. There's nowhere in the scripture that says that God stripped him of his power. He stripped him of his authority. You can have all kind of power, but if you ain't got no authority to use it, it ain't going to do you no good. Come on. But you and I, he is equipped with power and authority. All right, let's go on. I ain't lost nobody yet. I ain't felt no. I ain't felt nobody just rising up yet. Okay, let's go right here, Genesis two. But you know what? I'm not over right here. Listen to this. <laughs> we not finished. Genesis two. Look at this. <clears throat> I, I don't. I, but for the sake of time, if you'll just read all the way down to fifteen, would you go home for homework? But in this, when God created man, now He gave him authority and power, right? And He He gave him authority over creeps and everything on the face of the earth, right? God give us authority right there. Then the Bible says that God creates a garden, right? With four rivers. He creates Eden, right? Y'all with me? Now after he gets this established, he's fixing to give us the purpose of why we're here. Look at this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So in other words, God created man what? To look over his business. To look over his business and his garden and what he put, that word ten means to cultivate. He left man to cultivate and to take care of what he has planted. His business. Now, so first of all, if that is the case and we read it out of the Bible, then what, 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 did, what is God's business? The Bible says in Psalms 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that is dwelling on planet earth is God's business. From media... Education, business, politics, everything is God's business. And he expected his kingdom to have influence in those arenas. Y'all with me? All right, you're tracking. Now, let's look at this. How many knows that... The first Adam that we just read about, how many knows you know the story, most of us do, that Adam blew it. He was forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eve took the fruit, brought it to Adam, he ate it, the gavel fell, and God put him out of the garden, right? Now, 
So Jesus came, the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. You with me? So how many knows that the Word of God says He came to seek and to save that which was lost? There was a whole lot lost, a whole lot more lost than mankind. There was the title deed to Eden that was lost. The authority was lost. The power was lost. Jesus came to reclaim it and He gives it back to the bride and the church. Now let's look at this. Are you with me? Stay with me right here. Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'm talking about why we're created. We're created to have dominion. And we're created to tend God's business, okay? I think Luke is right behind Hebrews. If you're new to the Bible here. You with me? I'm going to track it down in a minute. What page is it on? Uh, Luke chapter 6. I got it. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 6. You there? Look at verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. This is Jesus. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose, he chose twelve, whom he also what named apostles. Now this is very important right here. And I shared this on Thursday night. Jesus could have called these twelve men prophets. They had plenty of knowledge about prophets in the Old Testament. He could have called them kings. But he used this word apostles to name these 12 men. Listen, what I'm trying to see you is this word was pregnant with the destiny in which Jesus would have them to do. And Jesus was reaffirming what God had established in the beginning with the original Adam of giving him authority and dominion and to tend the earth. Jesus didn't look to the church, nor did he look to the Bible to get the term in which he was about to name these 12 men. This was a secular term given by, he looked at the Romans and and stole this name from the Roman Empire and what they were doing to call his men apostles. Now in this word apostles, we, we, many have said that it means sent one. That is, and so they claim that missionaries are apostles. It is far deeper than just being a sent one. It is being a sent one with a particular calling, a particular uh, uh, assignment being sent to recreate what the one who sent you out to do. And so the Romans, what they had was apostles and their job was to be the leading ship after after that Rome conquered a city, they would send these guys in and what they would do is deculturize, if you will, or set up a culture of Rome so that when the emperor came to that city that had been conquered, that he would feel like he was straight at home. He wouldn't feel like he was in sparks. It would be set up just like New York City. Come on now. So Jesus is saying, when I'm sending you out, I'm sending you out as apostles. I know that you're going out as sheep amongst wolves, but I want you to be apostolic in nature. I want you to get into the culture. Come on, somebody. Help me out. This is the role of the Christian. If we don't know why we're here, we're never going to make an impact. God didn't die and send his son to be beaten 
beaten on a cross so that you could attend a church on Sunday morning. He died to empower your life. Come on, somebody, with righteousness in the Holy Spirit so that you could be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. A city set on a hill that shouldn't be hidden. And we, the church, have got our light under a bushel and wonder why society is getting more wickeder. He said, I want you to set up the culture so that when the, so I want the culture to look just like this. Now let's go a little farther. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples saw Jesus praying in one of his all night prayer meetings. And in Luke 11, one disciple approaches Jesus and he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. John's disciples taught, John taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. So he said, pray like this, which is in church world, what do we quote this? The Lord's Prayer. This was never the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. That's when he's praying. This is him teaching on prayer. And he says, pray like this. Our Father. Notice he didn't say my Father, but he said what our Father. Teaching us the power of unity. And that one can put a thousand, but two can put ten thousand. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I heard a man preaching one time, and he said sometimes you just got to hallow his name. <laughs> This he said, what well, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Now notice what he said to pray. He said, pray what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he setting up their prayer life for? He's setting their prayer life up with a dominion, come on somebody, all authority type mentality that when you pray, I want you to pray that your city, your community looks just like heaven. My God, church, I'm trying to help us here. We're sitting like cattle in a new gate like we've never heard this. Listen, I want you to pray that your, your house looks just like my house so that when I show up, I feel right at home. Can I tell you this? When God visits me at my house, it should look just like his house. There should be peace. There should be hope. There should be praise. There should be joy in our houses. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer. I want America to look just like heaven. Every part of the earth. So why are we here? Why did God bring you into the earth? To make an impact and a difference. To walk with authority. Look at your neighbor. To walk with authority and carry the kingdom. All right? My role on the earth is to expand God's kingdom. Through my job, everything that my hands touch. Did not he tell Joshua, everywhere your feet shall tread, that land shall be yours. If we understood this, this would change the mentality that a lot of Christians have. I, I, I'm just telling you, I've just been at this a while. You'd be amazed at the things I heard. And they say, well, preacher, would you pray that God give me a Christian job? You don't need a Christian job. You need a secular job where they're cussing left and right, telling dirty jokes. Why? So that you can make an impact on that job. I have a Christian job. 
It ain't no better than the other job. We still all got problems. My whole staff is saved most days, but it still ain't problem free, is it? Well, you, this is the mentality. Well, I work a secular job. If you are a believer, there's nothing secular about your life. My four people. I, I, if you are a believer, there's nothing secular about your life. Everything in your life is kingdom. Come on, somebody. All right. There's so many rabbits jumped out right there. I won't jump on them. I ain't got time. We have to fight them another day. All right. Re- listen to this. All right. So this. Know why you're created. Now, second of all, we got to know why the church is here. And let me tell you something. Although this is included, the church is not just here to hand out clothes and groceries. I'm fixing to make people mad. It don't matter. They, they get mad anyhow. You with me? In today's society, people get mad you hand them fish and chips. They love Jesus as long as he was handing out fish and chips. But Jesus said this. Let me tell you what he said. He said, listen here. After, after some time with him, he began to preach this message. This was his message right here on one Sunday morning when he began to preach. He said, unless you eat my body, my flesh, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall have no part of me. They said, well, what did he just say? He said, unless, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall have no part of me. The next statement said, this is a hard saying. Who can accept this? Who can accept preaching like this? Said many begin to desert him at that time. Now this is how Jesus pastored. He wasn't wasn't cringing, biting his fingernails. He didn't go in there and call the elders into an emergency meeting and said, oh my God, they're vacating the church. What shall we do? He turned around and looked at Peter and said, hey, they're leaving. They're leaving this morning. He said, would you like to go also? And Peter said, Lord, where shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Come on. So why is the church here? Why does the church exist? Why do we do what we do? Why did we get up this morning? Come on, somebody. How many know sometimes it's rough to get up on Sunday morning? Lord, I hunted all day yesterday with my boys. And just, you know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I laid down about 10 o'clock last night. I was exhausted. I hit the snooze about multiple times. Anybody ever hit the snooze several times? You don't, you don't praise God. Catherine don't either. She jumps right up in the morning. I'm not one. Well, Catherine and John Bentley wake up at 5.30 like glory. Hallelujah. Hallowed is his name. What are we having for breakfast? Me, Grant, and Asher like walking like zombies. I'm trying to get in there and hit the Keurig. I mean, my God, can you get it? So why do we do what we do? Listen. Our, our whole thought process about the church has got the shift of why we're here. Now listen to this. According to the book of Ephesians, Paul's revelation uh, in the book of Ephesians, he pins down this verse of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He said, God has given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, and some to be evangelists. Might have missed it on the order just a little bit. But he gave some to be apostles and prophets, some to be pastors, teachers, and evangelists. For the equipping, he gave these what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Most of the people in South Georgia believe it's the preacher's job to do the ministry. Here's a newsflash. The Bible does not teach that it is the pastor 
or the preacher's job to do the work of ministry. Our job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. Somebody's got to golf on Tuesday. No, I'm cutting up. Listen. <laughs> Our job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. Now listen to this. Shepherds don't be got sheep. Shepherds will produce shepherds. But sheep will produce sheep. So how does growth happen inside of this family? The growth doesn't come from me. The growth comes from you. When you grow and reproduce who you are in the kingdom, it brings growth to the body. So the church is here for what? To equip you to do what? The work of ministry. To equip you on how to tend God's business in the area that he's got you. My wife happens to be in a classroom. We look at that classroom in a lot of different ways, but one of the main things we look at it is a mission field, right? And we pray over that classroom. And we understand that there's all kind of ideologies, all kind of stuff coming in that classroom. I'm not dumb. I know everybody's not reading the Bible every night in this community. I know what's coming up in that classroom. But what we do pray and what we do believe that the kingdom of God that is residing in her is more powerful than anything can be brought in that classroom. It's time the church realize what, what Terry come up to, to tell me this morning about the power of righteousness. What's in your life? The Bible says that the unsanctified, listen to this, the unsanctified spouse is sanctified by the righteous spouse. This is the power that is in your life. Righteousness, my righteousness and what I carry in my life should affect those that are around me. I'm not even talking about preaching and telling them nothing yet. I'm talking about my life and my behavior and my relationship without talking should get on them. All right, you ready? So the church is here to equip you. If we realize that, listen, the things that will shift and change. The church will shift from a, cons a consumer mentality to a contributing mentality. Most people just have a come to church. What have you done for me lately? What can you do for me, preacher? What can you do for me? Well, I can, I can teach, I can train, and I can equip you to do the work of ministry. Right? Is this too much of a culture shock right here this morning? I know it is in some churches. Because, listen to this, in some churches, the preacher has to baptize everybody gets baptized. If you come here, we baptize for eight weeks straight in a row. I don't hardly dunk anybody. Why? Because we got a lot of disciples in here that could dunk you. When everybody starts running to the altar and pray, Matt can't on, he can do more than just sing. Come on, somebody. He can lay hands and cast out devils too. Matter of fact, sometimes I'm just sitting there watching. I'm going to see how he's going to handle this right here. All right. You all right? We've never said we all right right here. Listen to this. Number three, if we're going to change, if we're going to become the ecclesia, number one, we got to know why we're here. Number two, we got to know why we're attending church. We are not attending church to show off the latest threads we got on. We are attending church for what? To get equipped. To get equipped. What? To go make a difference. We headed to the mission field right here. We leave here. The mission field's Longhorn Sisters, wherever you at. Come on, somebody. And on the job next week. 
I'm not working a secular job. It's where God's planted me. What? To make a difference. All right. Second, third, thirdly, John 21, 17, Jesus said, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. Well, I'm not going back through what I gave you last week of the statistics. You have to go listen to the podcast. And we did shrink us down a few. We got something that ain't here this morning. But listen here. That's all right. I'm not scared of that. Come on, somebody. You can never look at, you can never look at people's faces to determine on whether you're hearing from God or not. All right. So he told Peter, he said, if you love me, feed the sheep. The sheep are leaving the church by the hundreds and the thousands every month because they believe the church is irrelevant to the life that they are living today. We got preachers talking about, listen, religion will always put God in the past or the future. I'm not living in the past, nor have I made it to the future yet. I need to know that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When I get in trouble, I need to know that God can be for me right now. And so we've got to start preaching on issues that are relevant to today's society. When's the last time we heard a preacher preach on what's happening on the news? Oh, we're scared to get up on that. So we got to preach on, relative, on, on the issues that are of the day. Issues on marriage. Issue on raising kids. I mean, I got one that'll be 15 this Christmas, born on Christmas Day. I'm in uncharted territory. You with me? These are issues. And so millennials can't find anything that they connect to because we attend church and we preaching on stuff that we're preaching on stuff that they can't relate to, so they leave. Listen here. When they leave the church where they should be getting the answer to their life, where do they go? New age movement? Gangs? Cults? Okay. I'm, easy. I, 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 I'm about to hit something, I guess, right there. Listen to this. People are hungry to know what the Bible says regarding politics, marriage, and the cultural issues. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about the LGBTQ community? What does it say? Quiet. One, of the lead, one strong leading voice said this, and I'm going to get to this in a minute. The reason that said the number one reason why I would never say anything about same-sex marriage because I was told by my pastor that we shouldn't judge. I don't have to judge what God has already judged. It doesn't mean I don't love. It doesn't mean that I'm not there to help. It doesn't mean that I, I, I'm, I'm not talking about none of that. But I'm talking about the issues that God has already laid out in His Word. See, we, we're in Sparks, Georgia right there, and that statement is startling. I can feel it in this room. The issue is already settled. Now, either we believe that the Bible, here's the thing too, this is the problem we're dealing with, and I'm going to deal with this at a later date, that 68% of the church in America does not believe that the Bible is absolute truth. So therefore, if the Bible is not absolute truth, we have no starting point. 
But where I come from, I believe the Bible is absolute truth. I believe it is still the number one best-selling author. Come on, somebody. The pages has been torn out. It's been burned. It's been urinated. Everybody has tried to destroy the Word of God, but it cannot be destroyed. So I believe it is absolute truth. So if it is absolute truth, i got to look at how God set it up in the beginning. And God did not take two male people and he didn't take two females and create them. He created them male and female and he brought the male to a woman. Am I in the book? When Jesus came back to teach on it in Matthew 19, because we under grace now, preacher. Uh, we got so much. Uh, this how we, Lord pray that He gets updated on the grace message. Well, let me give you the update on the grace message I have. Jesus said that you had to go lay. That the old covenant said that you had to go lay down with the woman to commit adultery. Jesus said this. He said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Jesus said, pluck out your right eye, cut off your right hand. Now he said, well, he's a law preacher. Well, listen, I, I ain't never cut nobody's hand off and I ain't never plucked no eye out. Jesus, Jesus is talking about the hard issue to deal with it. So when Jesus got ready to teach on marriage in Matthew 19, he used a man with a woman. That establishes it right there. Oh, Lord. We'll wait on. All right, listen to this. Chapter, uh, ver, uh, the fourth one. So one, we got to feed the sheep. we got to educate the people on current issues. With the Word of God that's affecting society. Go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 56. I'm coming in for the close. Isaiah 56. Says this. I write this down right. I did not write it. I wrote the wrong verse down. Somebody Google this for silent watchdog. Where did I write that down at? I wrote it down. Let's I'm in Isaiah 56. Huh? Huh? Verse 9. No, that ain't it. Let me let me just say this. I'll find the verse of scripture. I wrote it down wrong. Y'all please forgive me. Let me see what I, I know that's in this. Help me right here, Holy Ghost, right here. Huh? No, that ain't it. I, I, don't, I don't got it right now. I'll find it by the end of the thing. Somebody, somebody be on Google right here and help me out. It's, it's not, it's, I got the wrong chapter. Listen to this. God was dealing, listen to this. Here's verse 4 if you're taking notes right here, and I'm going to preach these quick. The silent watchdog is a problem. And the reason why we can't become the ecclesia because of the silent watchdog. When God was talking to Israel and he said, how is my people? How is wickedness overtaking my people? He said for this, he said for my leaders have become what? Silent watchdogs with no bark and no bite. And so we see the issues that are prevailing in America. I graduated in 1997, the year I graduated high school, two years following, which would be the, which would be the model which all active school shooters was used come from Columbine High School. How many members that in 1999? What we thought would never happen in our land 
has continued to come right on our shores and attack us right in our backyard till we seen a shooter go in to just last week. Now, I'm not here to debate gun laws or any of that. I'm not, I'm not going get, to get into none of that. But I can tell you this. Here's what, here's, here's what is ridiculous, and I think it was Thor that said this, that for every thousand chopping at the leaves, only one chops at the root. You can deal with everything else, but what we refuse to deal with is the heart of man in America. It's the heart issues that Jesus said, guard your heart for what out of it flows the issue of life. We can never ask this community to come together when you and I can't unify in this church. We don't have the legal right, legal access to even pray such a thing from a prayer closet that if you and I can't come together in this room. It is an illegal prayer for me to get in a prayer closet and say, Lord, make us one when I can't love the person sitting right next to us. How are we ever going to bring a revelation of God whom they cannot see and you can't even love your brother whom you can see? It's quiet. So listen to this. The silent watchdog, listen to this, 70% of Christian students, 70% of Christian students renounce their faith while at college. 70%, that means the kids that you just saw here, 7 out of 10 will denounce their faith in Jesus Christ while they're at college. That's a startling statement to me. Would you all agree with that in this room? That seven out of every ten will denounce their faith at college. One of the things that we don't teach in the church is is apologetics on how do you defend the faith that you believe. Jesus said you and I should be able to give an account to what is the hope that is in us. Why do you believe what you believe? How do you defend that? Y'all with me? So when we see these issues coming... The church takes this standpoint that we want to be politically correct and we do not want to preach the hard issues such as abortion. God, Adam, back, come to the keyboard. Where's she at? Come up here to the keyboard, love. Does she go crank my truck up right there? My entourage out in my list. We don't want to preach these issues. What does the Bible say about abortion? Nowhere in your Bible will you see a woman's right to choose because the Bible don't speak about your rights. It speaks about your responsibilities. My God, that's good right there. That was good preaching right there. That was good. It doesn't talk about our rights. It talks about our responsibilities. And so Psalms 139 says about you and I that we were wonderfully and fearfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. But the only way that we can allow that in society is we take what's in the mother's womb and we call that a fetus. I've never seen a fetus or a clump, a tissue have little hands and little feet. And by the millions we are aborting in this nation. No one would have ever believed that Roe v. Wade would have come into effect in 1973. No one would have ever believed that. But it happened. Meanwhile, the church was just continuing to run like silent watchdogs. I know that I'm preaching hard. It's just where we're at in America. 
And so the church began to just keep doing what it normally does. We come in, we we come in and sing our worship songs, preach on how to live your best life, and boy, God's gonna give you a lot of money. High five, chest bump, three people, love on somebody, go home. We'll see you next week. Nobody would have ever believed that the Supreme Court in this nation would have legalized marriage between two men and two women and then put that parading it down the halls of our nation. No one would have ever believed it. But the preacher was continuing again, the silent watchdog in the church in America. Because we're afraid to get on the issues that we should be telling our people of what they should do. You can never go in a voting booth and leave the Bible outside of the booth. If you do that, friend, I'm telling you, you are not who you say you are. Bottom line. But then we'll take the easy road. And we'll put people like me because I'm white. I can't help I was born white. Neither more can Fred can help that he was born black. But they won't take the account of my life. Who for five years went with my money in my vehicle in the projects of Wayne County and rescued two of them. I could bring them in here, both of them with a college degree. Why? Because we went in there preaching the gospel, trying to help them. Nobody will say that now, but because I preach on the tough issues, they'll say he's just a racist. And we allow that mess to come into church. That ain't nothing but the spirit of hell, friend. Do you understand that? When I'm trying to simply educate and help you understand that when the Wall Street Journal puts in that what was it was it in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times puts in their thing of um, and they got this picture and all of the people in New York begin to get upset and they got this young little African American uh, uh, child on a billboard and they say the most dangerous place for an African American child is not in the Ku Klux Klan it is in the mother of her. It is in the mother's womb. Because at this point in time, there were more black children being aborted in, in New York than they were being born. I, I'm not going to be silent about it. Because here's the thing. The reason why we're in the shape we're in in America is not because of our politicians. They don't have nothing to do with it. The problem lies at the foot of one person, and it is the preacher in this country. It is the weenie backs and the sissies behind God's holy desk that are afraid to preach the truth to the congregation. We're worried about one thing. We're worried about losing people and losing money. But what I found to be true, listen here, friend, God, he, listen, God can make resources fall out of um places you would never think they would have. He will always support His voice. He will always provide where He's guiding. He will always have the provision if we will just preach the truth. If you destroy the model of the family, here, here let me just say this. I'm out there on the lamb. People's already done cut my podcast off. It don't matter. I'm not running for any popularity vote. But we will say 
Fred, come here. What we'll say in America is he's held back by the color of his skin, but I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't say that that's not an issue because it is an issue. And all we can do in this room is repent and say, my God, I ask you to forgive me. And all I can do is ask you to forgive me. But us hollering about the skin color is not going to fix the issue that is destroying your color and your culture. When we start preaching about where's the dads at and we get in the face of men and say, why don't you be a man and raise your child and be a father and be an example, then we'll begin to turn a culture. But no, we want to point at we want to point at the easy things. See, the other thing is a hard thing. In the 40s, it was unheard of for a dad to get a woman pregnant and not carry it out and be there. But in today's society, men have six, seven children that think nothing of it. Let me tell you this. Let me give you a deal right here. I don't care who you are. You're not a man. You're still a little boy. It's time we grow up in this nation and realize that a man takes responsibility for his actions. See, people are judged. Oh, no, the private conversations. Don't know they're wet for four days over Eddie James's song one. And I listened to it so much that it was burning to the screen of my truck. So where you at? Grant, where you at? Was it not burning the screen of my truck? We turned the truck off every day. I told him, I said, we'd probably go ahead and take the battery cables off. Don't matter what song you played. It was burning to the screen of my truck. And it said Eddie James won and it was hung on the minute sign of 133. And I knew that God was screaming to me, Psalms 133, son. Unless the people dwell together in unity, we're never going to see change. So what's got to happen is the pulpit's got to change in this nation. We can't worry about being politically correct, friend. That has got us in the state that we're in right now. We've got to preach the hard issues. We got to understand that when no father's in the house, it destroys society because people have no no identity. Our young men have no identity, and our young girls have no identity. But let me tell you something: the young girl that's got dad there that says you are beautiful, you are gorgeous, you are. The, I'm telling you, you're so amazing. She's not going out on Friday night waiting for some little slick-haired little little frat boy to tell her how good she looks she already knows how good she looks because daddy's already instilled that into her but we're dealing with a fatherless society this is why our crime rates out, out, the, out the wazoo this is, what, this is the results why? because we become smarter than God we said that two men could do it if two men could do it then Jesus would have set the two men up but he didn't do it he set up a man and a woman And we've tried to destroy that in our society by taking it away and saying this anything can go in society. And we wonder, we wonder with the abortion issue when there's ladies in this church that work at it every day. And we got, you can get mad if you want to, it don't matter. 
And you got Oprah Winfrey standing up talking about we're gonna we what is she's gonna release and it just, just fixing to be released. Shout your abortion. Be proud and let it be known that you got rid of the life that God had created you. I know the issue's deeper. I know that it's deeper than me hollering with a microphone. Let me tell you what how okay, so preacher, tell me this. I'm done right here. How are you gonna fix this issue? I'm not dumb. I know that I can never fix it just by preaching. My wallet's got to be where my mouth says it is. So I got to help fund and I got to help sow into the pregnancy crisis center. I got to give into that. The next thing I've got to do is we got to have a heart change. And we've got to start fostering and learning how to adopt children. How many seen the clip of the, little, of the family in Athens, Georgia that adopted a little girl? How many seen that clip? Gavin, find that clip for me. But we've got to be out there as a voice at the Carolina Revival for the last two. I know the last two. Is that correct? They've taken up an offering in that, in that community that gathers in Carolina, and they have paid for two adoptions. There's ways that you don't even have to pay the money, friend. I can tell you how to do that. We got because I'm I'm trying to get educated myself. So I don't know what you. So somebody wants to judge me that doesn't know my life. They don't know that I told my wife we're going to build on our house. And I said we got to help these kids. Listen to me, church. I'm done. But when, when, when she's teaching school and a little kid hands her a letter in third grade and says, just somebody help me. My teeth hurt so bad that I can't even sleep at night. And we're down here singing the kumbaya and worried about going to eat some chicken. I'm telling you, God in heaven is going to judge us for what He has given to us, and we didn't use it to help. We worried about, hey, I thank God for the mission field, and I'm going by the grace of God to Pakistan next year. But this right here in Sparks, Georgia, they just need help. And where, where else are they going to go besides the church? Oh, I'm done. I'll fix it and be done. So the preacher, I want you to read these verses of scriptures right here. These are what, they, I will read these. I think I got these right, right here. In Ezekiel chapter 3. In Ezekiel chapter 3. Verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and, give him, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn wicked, the wicked from his wicked way and save his life, the same wicked man shall die and his iniquity. But his blood I will require at, his hand, at your hand. What did it say? When you say nothing, when you say nothing, preacher, when you say nothing, 
God says, I will require their blood on your hand. Why? Because you did not say nothing. Because I put you as my mouthpiece ahead of my flock and you didn't say nothing. You didn't say nothing when they was bringing the family down. And, 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 and you allowed the politicians and you allowed your people to go in a voting booth and vote for a party that wants to destroy the marriage between man and woman. That has an all-out assault on the Word of God. When one leader says, we've got to change religion in America. You better believe what got us this far is Almighty God. Go back and study your history. They knew when they fought the, the Revolutionary War, they knew they didn't have a chance to beat the, to beat the British. When they signed the Declaration of Independence, we were not free. It was a declaration that we were going to be free. And they knew unless God be, they said unless this, unless God be with us. I could tell you this morning the same thing. There ain't no hope for us unless God be with us. But the fact that God is with us and He is for us. And I believe that, I don't know about you, but I use every day of my life to pray and say, God, listen, how can I make my community better? God, how can I make my community better? It starts at all levels of societies. It starts with coaches that realize that they've been giving kids not just to win a state championship, but they're young men. Teach them how to be a man. Teach them how to be a father. That's far more than winning a record. Because long after the trophies are gone, we can change a generation if we will just learn how to get involved and realize it is far more than just coming to church. We can't be silent no more about what we believe. But here's the thing. Those with an agenda to push their agenda, I guess you could say, well, aren't you pushing your agenda this morning, preacher? But here's the thing. The homosexuals make up 3 to 4%. The last I checked, I could be wrong. Help me on that. 3 to 4% of America's population. So look how hard HGTV has to do to stage all of their programming around them. It's not home and garden television. I know we love Chip and Joanna Gaines, and I do too, but it's not home and garden television. It's to weaken you down to the homosexual agenda. When shows that my dad watched when he was growing up, the man and woman didn't even sleep in the same bed because it wouldn't even portray such a holy thing that was sacred unto God on the, on the screen of a TV to where we're at today. He said, boy, he's old-fashioned. When, when, when we got shows like Lincoln Loud that your little ch child loves to watch, when Lincoln's best friend has two dads, they're telling you this is completely acceptable. Please accept what this is happening in society. But they won't tell you. What they won't show you is this other side of it, of the countless thousands of hours of counsel where broken homes come in and show up at the preacher's church, but they want him to be silent. Or the kids that are cutting themselves. Or the suicides. God says, if you know it and you don't speak out, I'll require the blood on their hands. This is, so Catherine, she's out the door, little kid. All he's trying to say is, my teeth hurt bad. My family won't do anything about it. Don't have the resources. 
But you know what? I do have the resources by God's grace and mercy. I can honestly stand up here and say I don't. I have no need of nothing. I got everything I want and then some. I live as about as big as I want to live. You can tell I eat as about as good as I can eat. I just want my camp back. I won't be known in this community to make an impact. I don't care to ever build another building. I said wrong on that. I want to build a children's building that's off the chain, but I don't care to build another building. I can preach the gospel in here five times on Sunday if need be. And God has blessed us with about ten preachers. We can roll it. But we've got to turn this thing from what we've been doing into what Jesus and what he said the plumb line for church is. And that is you realizing that God has got you where you're at for a reason. Miss Mildred, with every neck hug that you give at Walmart, you simply walk into that Walmart this right here and you say, Father, I pray today when I hug them, let them feel your love. Let them feel your glory. God, touch them today. With every person I hug with heaviness, let it be shattered by the righteousness of God in my life. Little by little. Then eventually you'll have people to hug your neck and they say, hey, just something about that lady right there. A little bit something different about her. Well, you want me to tell you what it is? I met a man who's told me everything I've ever knew, and his name is Jesus. It's just that simple. Stand up on your feet. I want to pray over you today. I hope you feel that I'm not here to beat us up, but I am here to rally us up. Do you feel that? Father, we love you today with all our heart. Father, I'm one man with one microphone. One city in this great place you call the United States of America. I love this country. How many veterans we got in this room right here? Raise your hand if you're a veteran. Raise your hand high. Hold it high. Father, we, we bless them today. We thank them for their service and we bless them. i never forget when I was 21. I, I was, yeah, 21 years old. I flew to India. I was there for 10 or 12 days. i never forget when I came through customs in Atlanta. I bowed down and kissed the ground. I thank God for this nation. Maybe I, maybe some would listen to this and say, well, he's believed a lie. 
Some great move is coming to America. You know, if you go by the forestry, they have a sign out there that says, high, medi- high, medium, and low. The danger for a wildfire to break out. And the drier the conditions, the higher it'll go. When I look at the conditions of our nation, we're setting mighty strong for something to break out in this nation. What I long to see put on the news is not the stories that they had to rummage and find to show division because that's exactly what they're doing. I'm here to tell you the truth on both sides. Why don't they show us in the South of black and white gathered together in worship? So, Father, we trust you this morning with great hope, Father, that you're going to turn the tide in our nation. Father, that once again, Father, we would trust you and we would believe in you. And, Father, we would trust your word. Father, it has stood the test of time. For over 6,000 years, your word has stood the test of time. And so, Father, we pray today, God, I pray over everyone in this room, Father, that you would awaken us to the call of God on our life. You would awaken us to what we're here for, what you've planted us here for. And Father, we pray today over this community, God. We pray that every day that we're walking throughout this community, through here, through Tifton, Valdosta, wherever your sphere is, God, I pray, give us the words to say. Father, when we, when, when we hear your voice, let us move on it, God. If you say give $20, let us give $20. If you say let us do this, let us do that. But Father, most of all, let us be led by your Spirit, God. And let us realize there is a job to do outside the walls of this church. And God, let us live up to our responsibility. Every one of us is responsible for sharing the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I bless these families today, Lord. I bless them with great hope. I bless them with peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 